welcome back to the Physique Factory podcast. And today we've got a special guest, Josh McHale, my coach. And we're going to run over why so many people jump from coach to coach and they don't see progress because it's something that we see all the time and people use it as an excuse. So we're going to like dive a little bit into that and then talk about what Josh is doing at the moment with his athletes because he's doing really well and getting some really good results. So how are we going to start with this? I think you guys should um, kind of start this because obviously you guys have worked together for a long time. So how, how long you guys worked together? Yeah, it's like two and a half years, nearly three years. It must be closed on three years now, though. Yeah, it's crazy. Because when I started at Metcon, I pretty much started with you. And that was like, that's yeah, it's about two and a half years, nearly three years. Yeah, and this is our first season getting on stage together. So it, it should have been last year, but fucking shit at the fan. And then, yeah, we know what happened. Illness struck. Um, there's, there's a whole podcast on that one. Yeah, there was. Well, multiple. But yeah, um, it's been our, we've done two shows now back to back last weekend, didn't we? Which, uh, we did two rows, then PCA, both in men's physique. And this weekend, we're going to have a double in classic, which I think will be more James's street. Yeah, getting better. I, I think that too. I'm buzzing for that. Yeah, yeah. You're, not, you're not a fan of men's physique, are you, Connor? That's not that I'm not a fan, but um, you again, you're just, I think you're more suited to it. Yeah. Too big. <laughs> so when you first started with Josh, um, did you like what? You didn't go right into a contest prep, did you? What was the first kind of move? We do. I think we just did like a bit of a mini cut, didn't we? So pulled some fat back and then um, went from there. I think I've seen the first pictures. He's like fat cunt. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, this is this is something he do not with all clients. Is it? It's not like a real thumb thing, but you know, depending on how someone comes to you, like you know, you want to see firstly what the physique looks like underneath some body fat. Yeah. Then obviously with this with the end goal to get on stage, most people are going to need more size. You need to bring up certain areas, so it, it offers a good start point then to grow from as well. It's like a nice fresh start. You get to to know how people work as well when you run through a diet because people are way more adherent. I find in diet phases, especially straight off the bat, you've got someone who's coming to you really motivated. They can get stuck in straight away, so it's a good time to to you know maximize that and make the most of it. Yeah, definitely. And then um, from there, pushed up. I think we got to like my heaviest weight where it was. And then we went into that uh, the prep after that and obviously didn't make it to stage. Did a photo shoot and then off season. And then now we're at prep now, pretty much, aren't we? Yeah. Back in the prep now. I suppose that like first phase kind of let you like set some foundations. As you say, you figure out how someone works. And like you ain't obviously in the long run, that's been pretty beneficial just going through that like kind of cut to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, as a coach, you, you you only really get to to see what you can do with someone over a period of time. Like, yeah, you can get someone lean in 12, 16 weeks, whatever. But, you know, for me, it's what I find, well, interesting and what I love to see is people make progress over time because that's how I look at my own journey. Is like I just want to use competing as a benchmark and just progress, grow, progress, grow. Um, and I want to do that with clients. I want to see that journey through because that's – that's really rewarding for me, you know, to see someone progress like that. You know, they go from you know looking at a certain way X weight to to now looking like they do a you know a heavier weight, leaner, more muscle. Um, like James has done, you know, run, running through the phases of pulling back, pushing up, pulling back, pushing up. You know, you can really really get to work with someone and and, and maximize the progress you can make with someone over a longer period of time. So it's interesting you say that, like using competing as a benchmark, because I've said that like in the last few podcasts actually. Like that's kind of it's kind of why I've done it. It's like just to see where I'm at. Like I don't even fucking I don't care about fucking turning pro or anything like that. I'm not interested. And um, I'm just fucking competing to see what happens. It's just uh, a bit of fun at the end of the day, but it's not really that fun when you're fucking twenty weeks deep into a prep. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point actually about turning pro. Like 
I think you have to be realistic with ourselves. And I've always been very realistic, not like to shit on myself, but realistic in terms of how far I can go as a bodybuilder, being the age that I was at when I really started to get, you know, more serious about it. You know, I've got decent genetics, but they're not IPV pro level genetics where I'm going to start winning pro shows and doing all that kind of stuff. And that to me is, you know, where you want to, if you want to be a pro, like, and you just want your pro card and retire, fair enough. But, you know, if you're chasing a pro card, like there's got to be something after that. Because a lot of times it can be a career ender for people. Like they'll just never be able to get to that next step where they're competitive as a pro. So for me, it's just about myself. And, you know, the, the better you get, the better you're going to place it inevitably anyway. So Absolutely. I've, I've seen that with the natural guys as well. Sorry, James, cutting you off again. I've seen yeah. that with the natural guys too. Like, you know, some people turn pro and, you know, they'll be top pros and that's it. You know, they're always fighting for that top um, kind of free kind of placing. But then other guys turn pro and then that's it. That's like, they'll never win a trophy again. And actually, they were probably in a position as an amateur where they were winning shows all the time, you know, feeling good and having a good run of it. And then actually turning pro sometimes the worst thing that happens to them. 100%. <laughs> Can I talk now? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so anyway, Talking about you, not to you. <laughs> going on, on from that, so how, like, it's important to stay with a coach to get that progress over the years and collect that data and know what works and rather than just fucking jumping around every season from coach to coach because every time I see people on Instagram, they've always got a different coach and I'm like, no way, he's working with him now and it's literally was working with someone else a couple of months ago and a few months before that, it was someone else. I'm just like... How can you make progress if you're just jumping around and you don't know, like you get, you haven't been working with someone for that long. You just don't know what's going to work for them. hundred percent. So, you know, you get this a lot with people um, changing coaches. I think one reason is because they feel like there's some kind of secret sauce that someone may offer um, because you, you see, I see, and I've added to myself where you get really, really good results with clients. They'll win shows. They'll do really, really well for multiple shows and they'll still change coach. And now sometimes that's in the pursuit of maybe finding, trying a different approach or, um, you know, in the pursuit of maybe more knowledge that they think they might get, you know, things like that, which, you know, you can understand to some, to some extent, but even so, like if you're doing that every season with a different coach, then you're not getting the most out of that coach. Yeah. And, you know, as a coach, you're not able to show or, um, to show how much you can improve someone, if you like. Yeah, like yeah. um, it's like building a house, right? You're not gonna fucking build a house and get someone in to do. Well, you may get a different trade in to do the foundations, but you're not gonna get someone in to start building the house and then everything's ready apart from maybe the roof's got to go on. And then you're like, you know what? Um, I think you know I'll I'll just end this relationship. I'll get someone else, or sometimes not get anyone else at all. It's like you'll let the fucking guy finish the job. I, I fucking hate that. That's my pet hate. It's like when clients like haven't really reached even like a goal like even if you're doing like a fat loss phase or something like that right cool let's get to the end of the fat loss phase but i hate when people are like somewhere in between and they're just like ah yeah i think i'm gonna cancel this i think i've got it from here mind i was telling you about that the other day james like uh someone like one week into one of my plans um just like yeah i think i've got it from here and i'm like what you don't understand the whole process of coaching how things change (laughs) like cool Another thing, if you stay with a coach long enough, you'll see that coach progress because a good coach will always be increasing the knowledge. <clears throat> They'll always be constantly in search of doing better themselves and, you know, improving their knowledge base, whether it's biomechanic stuff, whether it's PDs, um, you know, different nutritional strategies, peaking, whatever it may be, you know, uh, uh, people that have been with me for like seven, eight years will have seen a drastic difference in how I coach clients. And like me, myself, I've had two coaches. I'm Jordan Peters and now Joe Jeffrey. I was with Jordan for six years. 
you know, and, and Jordan was a great coach. He was fantastic. And I was really lucky to get a coach like him as my first coach. But I saw his approach change over the years because he was constantly learning. So it wouldn't make any sense for me to jump ship, even if I like one shot in place or whatever it may be. Like that wasn't, that was never, I never, it never crossed my mind because his service was always good. He delivered on what he needed to deliver to. Um, and I think there's the other end as well, which we've got to consider where, the coach may be not upholding their end of the bargain where the service is a bit shit, the re response times might be crap, they're not they're not giving enough info information to the clients. It's one of them, they check in, they go, yep, same again next week, same again next week, or it's there's no kind of um, long-term approach with them. Like when I have a, a client, I want to kind of map out the next six to 12 months potentially. Um, just make sure the client's on board with where we're going, why we're doing this and what we're doing it for. Because yeah. I think the more informed the client is, then the more likely they are to stick with you because they know you've got a plan. They know you're going to take them through these phases and, and, th and that's going to get the most out of them. The best thing, like, what we do is, like, it's just working together rather than, like, a dictatorship. It's like, right, this works, this doesn't work, can we do this? And, and So this is an interesting one as well. I think as a coach, it's very easy to, like, I'm fully, I fully agree, like, you know, most of my clients I work with them, it's not like, no, you can do this, like, listen to me, I'm no best, do, do as you're told kind of thing. And there's a fine line there between the, the client getting involved too much where they're like affecting how you will coach, you know, and which then affects the results because you're changing too many variables. Like I have a kind of a plan, um, you know, obviously things may change, whether it's foods because of digestion issues or certain drugs are not agreeing with someone or things like that. You know, training, for example, volumes and frequencies may change as you go out and get feedback off clients. Fair enough, but when a client's also having too much input where they're also almost reversing the, the roles where they're trying to almost just say, I'm going to do this essentially. Yeah. You know I mean? They're trying to dictate what's, what's going on. And I don't think that works either. So I think it's, it's good. It's great that you need, you, you know, you should work together. I think I fully agree with that, but there's a point where you're still the client and the coach is still the coach. Yeah. Of course. I think I, it's me, myself as a client, I'm always like, tell me what to do. Yeah. It's easy. That way. You're not going to, it's less to think about, isn't it? I mean, you're paying someone to not have that, like, you're not second guessing yourself when you're making those decisions. So it's, it's easy. And you're taking away that emotional, like, response to making a decision. Well, you know, yeah, yourself, like, well, people have emotional attachments to things, don't they? And that can be, a, can be a good thing, but it can be also what holds them back. And if they can't let go of certain emotional attachments, then, you know, that can affect the end and the end goal, if you like it. Yeah, it's like um, exercises in the gym. People get attached to fucking, like, stupid fucking exercises, which are going to get them nowhere. And it's like when someone signs up for PT with me, and they've been training a bit, and I was like, oh, I really like this exercise. And I'm like, dear, why? So I asked him, and I was like, oh, I saw this guy do it on Instagram, so I'll give it a go, and I've been doing it, and I, yeah, I really like it. And I was like, I'm trying to work out why. <laughs> it's just fucking, yeah. And That's you so much attachment you have, yeah. But then, then you can like literally lose them if you say straight away and go in. So no, that's absolutely fucking bullshit. Stop doing that. Then you can literally lose them as a client, and they they don't have any buy-in with you at all. And so, yeah, this is such a weird way of going about it. You need to sort of ease from what might not be the best to gradually push them up to that line of like optimal, if you want to call. Yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's that's it. and how you communicate that's key. Like you, you know, like you said, you say explain. No, we're going to do this because of this. This yeah. is why this is better. Um, you know, I think if you provide enough information and, and working with them, and sometimes I'll just say, you know what, fucking do it. It's bullshit, but do it. If it keeps you happy, I'll just program in the shit that really does stuff. Yeah, as long as it's not doing any harm. Exactly, it. yeah. As long as it's not taking anything away, I'm like, fine. If you want to do some like band shit at the end of a session or whatever, then crack on. 
you know, that makes, there, that makes you feel better about your glutes being pumped, then sweet. But, you know, just understand that that's not what's driving your progress. You know, things like that. Yeah. See, see, when it comes to switching coaches, though, Josh, um, I feel like bodybuilders are way worse for this than, like, kind of gen pop clients, if you know what I mean. You see it a lot. Right. Well, the, the, I think the reason for this is because it's information overload on Instagram. You know, especially in prep, people don't think straight. I no. mean, I've done preps in the past where I've been like a fucking magpie, like something shiny, I'll change to this. I'll do dub twice a day training. Then three weeks later, I'm going to go, no, I'm going to do this. And, you know, your head can be all over. And I think the less you know, the more you do that. But the more you know and the more experienced you are, the less inclined you are to do, to do that. Um, yeah. I think that's one main reason why people, you know, chop and change quite a lot, especially in bodybuilding. Um Social media is definitely the root root of it. It's just they, they think the grass is green a lot of the time. They do. The um, the, the the whole bias thing is quite an important thing too. When like again jumping back to what we were just talking about, I remember um some guy that trains in the gym that I train at. He, he was getting coached by another guy that trained there, and um it didn't last very long. It lasted like two weeks or something. And I was like, what what can happen? He's like, oh, he dropped my calories by like a thousand. I would have been losing muscle, and it's like, well. You know, probably you wouldn't have been if you're eating a lot of calories. But at the end of the day, that's what that's what he perceived to be true. So all of a sudden, you go totally against what he perceives to be true, and he's like, "Fuck this! This isn't right. I'm going to go to someone else." But exactly, that comes from a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding. So I think the the more you can try and educate people, and the more educated people are, that the the less inclined they are to do that. I also find that it is more men that do that, as particularly bodybuilders. Like me, having coached a lot of different categories, male and female. You tend to notice that females are a lot less like that. They're um, they're less inclined to trap and change. Uh, you know, generally speaking, you know, generally yeah. speaking, they're loyal. I, I had a client at um, well, he was at another gym and he's moved to like my gym. I don't like coach him anymore, but he was doing a transformation with um, um, another gym and they they put him on like really really low calories. And because I started him off on higher calories because I just wanted a good set point. I didn't want to fucking like really kill him straight away because there's nowhere to like work with that. And um, he left after like two weeks because I didn't put him on like 1,100 calories like the other gym did. And I was like, that is fucking low. I was like, what? He was like, oh yeah, he put me on 2,000 to start off with. I was like, yeah, but that's that's still low as it is. And we was dropping like body weight like on 2,000. But if, yeah, I just don't know. The rationale behind it is mad well there is a lack of rationale that's the problem isn't it yeah here's one i've come up against before is um people will be dropping body fat but maybe not necessarily dropping body weight and because they're not dropping body weight yet you're looking at the pictures you're looking at like their measurements their body fat percentage everything's coming down but because they're not dropping body weight they're like oh this isn't working i'm not seeing the progress i want to see i'm like shut the fuck up look at the pictures look at the fucking difference in you it doesn't matter how much you explain it like people have got this like bias towards losing weight and they at the end of the day like i wouldn't care what fucking weight i was as long as i looked the way i want to look and surely that's the way most people should think so clients do fixate on things like particularly scale weight because I think a lot of the time they're um, thinking back in the past where they, they have this number, they're like, I was 60 kilos, I look my best there. So that's so ingrained, emotionally attached to that number because that's where they felt great, they look good. So it's like, I need to get down to that scale weight to feel good. Fuck the pictures, fuck how I feel, fuck how I look. That scale weight is what I'm anchored to. And when they have such strong emotions anchored to that, it's really hard to pull them away from it. Just get a sauna bin bag protocol. This can be that this can be programmed in people for the for all the lives. Do you know what I mean? Depending if they've done like diets over the years, weight watchers or whatever, or even even competitors that have done 
the, the, like you, you probably heard this, like, oh, cardio works for me. I'm like, no shit, it increases your output, it works for everyone. That's energy balance. That's the law of thermodynamics. Like, no shit. <laughs> but Brilliant. do you know what? Because they don't understand that. They just know that when I did cardio, I lost weight. And that's all they know. Yeah. It's an association, isn't it? Yeah. And it's kind of <laughs> over time trying to educate someone and, and un, unpick those those um, attachments they have. I think I've got the opposite of that. I think I've got the, well, I've been shredded without cardio before. I don't need cardio. When actually I work a job that's way less active now, I probably do need some cardio. Yeah, exactly. The, this, there's, I always say that... The, Correlation doesn't always equal causation. So just because one thing has changed, it doesn't mean that's the reason why it's changed. You people say, I did this for my back training and my back's grown like fuck. Well, you do about six other exercises for your back and you don't think just over time that's just accumulated and it's probably just grown because of that. Being consistent with that. So yeah, it's like, don't don't think correlation is causation. Tiny ob- object syndrome again, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's new fucking new fucking back exercises that I've done. That's it. That's the one that's um, made all the gains. It's not ten years of training it before that. Yeah, it's not the the, the the cycle you've just been on or the previous three years of training you was doing anyway. That you know, all that you've just improved your form across all exercises. You improved execution. You've got stronger, so on and so forth. But no, I'm going to pin it down to this one movement. Yeah, on the, on the, like, I'm sorry, yeah. I pull down. That's what's done it. That's what's going on. Your favorite, mate. That's activating the lats. Activate them. See, on the like PED side of things, like you ever find, like I don't know what your approach is, Josh, but like, like I've heard people talking about coaches and saying, like, oh, he's quite heavy on the gear use, and like some people are not so heavy on it. Like again, that's going to come into it too. People are like, well, I want to push harder, but this coaches, and you, you're maybe doing your job by saying this is a healthy way to do this, but they're like, nah, fuck that. I want to get massive. I want to look like big fucking Rami in the next twelve weeks. Yeah. So I mean, when it comes to pads, like you got to, everyone's like, um. It's willing to, people are willing to risk different amounts. You know, some yeah. people are like, I want to be a pro at all costs. If that means doing three gram a gear a week, then I'll do it. And you know, if you've got someone coming to you and they wanted they want to really push it, then you know, you're gonna be a little bit a little bit more um forgiving potentially on the health side of things. But you know, I think as a rule of thumb, being being uh, taking a safer approach with pads is always gonna be the, the best. But yeah, you can get reputations for things, but you know, you hear things as well in the fitness industry, like this coach did this. I'm like, okay, but did, did you know what was going on with you? Was you adherent with your food? Was you doing it as they said? Was you sticking to the training program? You know, it's a two way street. Um, because when you speak to the client and the coach, you get two different stories. So, you know, I think you're just being honest and open with yourself. As a coach, I'm, I'm my heart's harshest critic as a coach. If I feel like I've let someone down or I fucked something up, that eats away at me like so bad. I can't just shrug that off. Like that will haunt me. Um, but when it's it's you know, it's not me that's been not holding up the end of the bargain, it's the client or another coach, his client's not been any hold up the end of the bargain, and they come to you and they go, Oh, well, this coach did this to me. I'm like, is that what really happened? It's hard to know that though, isn't it? You know, they... very hard to know that. So you might whether you've got a relationship with that coach, you could potentially ask them. Um <clears throat> but I mean, for the most part, you just gotta take people's word for it and you know, trust them. Because you know, unless they until they prove you wrong, then you've got to trust them. So, yeah, I think we had a we had a chat about something on the call like a few weeks ago, and like one of my clients, why he wasn't like losing body fat and he wasn't losing weight, and I just couldn't work it out. And I thought he was absolutely dialed into this plan and he was like sticking to everything, but then recently, um, he said something which made me think, ah, oh, that's a bit strange. So he's like, can we change this uh, meal in the evening because it's going to stop me from binging? And I was like, 
it's going to stop you from binging. So, it's the guy we're talking about. It is, yeah, it is. I told you. I you fucking said, told you. <laughs> yeah, you said it, and it, it just went out as soon as he fucking said that. And I was like, so you have been binging. And I was like, no wonder why you've literally looked like you've gained fat throughout the fucking prep. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck? But again, this is why communication is so important. Like, you could have addressed that a long time ago. He could have, he's probably missed out on months and months of progress there just because he's not said, listen, man, I'm struggling, I'm binging. Like, as a coach, the, I'm not going to bollock someone for binging. Like, we just need to fix it. Like, you're an adult. Like, your punishment is, is the progress you're not making so my job is to go right how do we help this how do we fix it what's the best best approach to manage this yeah it's uh <laughs> it's an awkward one because i knew like as soon as he said it i was like right no worries i'll uh, i'll change the meals around and see like what can work for us and so he's got like a bit more food in the evenings but so he's, he's losing weight now like loads he's fucking lost like in like about two kilograms in the last week and i'm like what the fuck like, so it's it yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I'm sure you've had the odd client in the past, like, you've taken the calories down from 2,500 to 1,200. I'm like, you're still the same weight. You, you're you not the anomaly. Like, you still, <laughs> you can't beat an energy, energy de- calorie deficit. You just can't. Yeah, you no just, matter what's going on. Yeah, just look at, like, a concentration camp, like, how much weight they've lost. <laughs> right, this is where, you know, people start, oh, I'm fatigued, I'm inflamed. I'm like, Fucking go, like you said, go to a, a place where people are starving. Do you think these kids in Africa that are having to walk fucking three miles for water are not fatigued and stressed? <laughs> are, you, are you having a laugh? I, I love that one when when they're like, yeah, I'm too stressed to lose weight. It's like, yeah, fucking. Well, yeah. No, your stress is causing you to, to do certain things like overeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, you, you, I mean, you must have had it as a PT. I did back in the day where you get, you sit down with a client when they come in for the session, right? So feedback the week, how's the food been? Bang on it! I've I've smashed it this week. Everything's all good. You do the measures, you do the weight, and everything's the same. That's the thing with PT clients, though. Fuck it. All and then what I used to do, I'd, I'd just pry in sessions and go, "Oh, so what did you get up to then in the week? Oh, well, I went out for dinner on Tuesday night, and then last week I went out with the girls. I'm like, hang on, you just told me that you just had a perfect week. So they go, oh yeah, but apart from that, I'm like, that, that, that's point. the benefit of PT though. You can get that information out. Yes, where, like it's easier to do. It's easy to hide online, um, but like again, like I'm sure you guys make it clear from the offset as well. It's like it's all about communication when it comes to online coaching. And if you're not communicating with your coach, if you're not being honest, then you're paying for a service and you're not getting the most out of it. That, that ultimately is what what holds people back is the communication things. And these are the people that you'll see probably jump ship the most because they're too scared to admit that something's they've not been doing what they should be doing or they've been going off plan. They would rather just move on and hope things just magically fix themselves instead of just addressing the issue and try and work with someone to to you know to, to fix it an approach i like is um getting food pictures off people so like i'll say right send me over your food pictures because a lot of my clients are like track macros and stuff like that or follow a meal plan and then i can compare to either their meal plan or their macros and I'm, i can see obviously if, if there's any tracking errors but you ask them to do that for five days and it's like oh your weight started dropping funny enough hasn't it like you're actually sticking to the fucking plan now. yeah it's, it's a de- definitely a good approach i mean there's no foolproof way because they could just eat shit when they're not checking in you know they could just eat your stickers yeah. yeah. or something and not track it and not show you but like that's where you're just relying on honesty, and that's such a big thing as a coach. Like, if I ever fucked up, I'd be like, mate, I've done this. I've overeaten. I've not done my cardio this week. I've not done my steps this week. You know, there's no point being around the bush. Just yeah. be accountable to yourself. Own it. Yeah, Joe. You- like it happens with it's PT clients more who don't like get the result. So even though you like can speak to them in the sessions, 
it's always them who think they can just show up to the session, do that, and they're gonna like make a fucking shitload of progress. But really, it's it's not the case. Yeah, I think it's just a, it's just humans as a whole, and it they think they can get get away with as little as possible and maximize results. You know, it's like people that do very well in business, it's just because they're relentless with things. And it's people that do do well in fitness is because they're relentless with their approach. And that's that's really the difference. Consistency. Checking yeah. all the boxes and not fucking around, not not kidding yourself on. Doing the easy yeah, shit. Yeah, like, you know, it, it depends on who you are. Like, you, you go, know what you want at first. Like, that's the first thing. Like, you've got to establish what somebody wants and what they're then willing to do to get that. So everyone will have boundaries. Some people, you know, they can't get up at four in the morning and go do the cardio because they've got kids, they've got the work and all this shit. So you're like, okay, well, things might be a bit slower because we have these restrictions. So you have to understand that. You're not going to get the results of a competitor living like a lifestyle client. So making those things clear at the start is always a good thing. Setting the boundaries, setting the, the, the um, what's the word? Expectations and, you know, the results that they can get from what they can put in. Whereas, you know, you get a competitor like, you kind of really have to be all in as competitive because everybody else is and the other people competing against. Whereas if you want to lose a bit of fat, like you can take things a little bit easy, you can go a little bit slower, doesn't have to be as restrictive, but you can't expect results at the same pace or to the same extent. And it's un- understanding your client and understanding what each each other's <laughs> expectations is. And I suppose where they're at on that scale of like how much they're willing to sacrifice in a sense or how much they're willing to work to actually get there. But um, if if you can understand your clients as well, like something that's really helped me is like the fact that I'm self-employed and I've got like I've got a kid and like family life and shit like that, and most of my clients are in a similar boat. And because I'm in that situation, I understand how easy it is to just nibble on a little bit of, like Grace's toaster sand. It's like oh, she's not finishing that. I'll just eat that. Or you know how easy it is to get caught up with no food when you're out and about and end up fucking at McDonald's or something like that. So it's good to know exactly who you're dealing with and exactly the situation they're in so again it comes back to communication like the more they communicate that to you the more you talk with your client the more your client talks with you the the better you're going to get to know them the, the easier it's going to be to coach them and yeah better get better you'll get better results i think that's a good thing about pt before you shift to online is you really get to understand people and once you understand people you're going to get way more out of them you know if you're just going from like a young kid never having really worked with people in this sense, going to online culture, expecting people to come to you and just be adherent, then you live in a dream world. Um, but like I said, PT is really where you get to 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 sharpen those skills of of working with people and understanding people. And, you know, like the little th- thing, like I said before, like just pry with them, with them um, uh, questions through a session, things like that. You know, like you said, it's just getting to know your client and, and building that rapport and then they're more likely to communicate with you. The online equivalent of that is catching them out in their Instagram stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you get that a lot, Josh, don't you? You think, fuck um, it. To be fair, like, I'm, I'm very, the vast majority of my clients, like 99% of them, if they, if they do fuck up, they'll just tell me. Because I'm not, they'll know I'm not that guy that's going, you're a fucking dick, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not the way to be. You know, it's like, okay, right, well, you've done that now, so let's move on from it. Let's, what can we do to stop that happening again? You know, do we need to make make some changes to make sure that situation doesn't happen again? So on and so forth, and and that's that's all it is. Yeah, I think yeah. finding out like the clients why why they want the goal in the first place that's so like much of a big thing. Because what's the reason for sign up? What's the reason for someone wanting to do a contest prep? Is it because they've seen it on social media because everyone else is doing it and it looks good? That's not good enough, is it? Um, it, it needs to be it needs to enjoy it, and it needs to be something that they want to do to fulfill themselves. Well, see, there's two things that drive people. It's pain and pleasure. 
You know, they're the two things that are going to drive people. If they have one of these pushing and pulling hard enough, then they're going to do what they want to do. Pain's the much better driver for people. So this is why you'll see people that are like really overweight do amazing at certain things because they're so uncomfortable where they're at now that that pain is too unbearable and they have to make a change. But when you get someone that's maybe done quite well and that that pain's gone away, they then rely on pleasure to pull them. And that's when things get a little bit harder because... Like I said, you're always going to push harder when you when you're in a place place of being uncomfortable. When you're comfortable, pleasure is a bit harder. As a, it, it's a not good example of that is, um, I've got quite a few clients that I would consider very wealthy, and um, they're tough clients. Like when you can afford to go out for your dinner every single night, you probably can do it. That like where I where I live now, where's the PT? Like there's this quite a wealthy area, and it'd be like right, I'm out for dinner every single night. I'm off to the south of France for six weeks. I'm like, well, what the fuck do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, where, where are we going to start making some progress here? Because... You, you can make better choices, but then again, it's like, why would yeah, you make but... a better choice when you can afford that fucking better bottle of champagne and you can afford exactly. to have the fucking steak Having and a bottle of wine at night, a bottle of champagne at night, like, <laughs> eat out with steak and lobster, and you, you're just not going to, are you? And I can't blame them. Like... Mad enough. If they want, they want to feel good about themselves, just look at a bank account or get in the Ferrari. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just having um, this. Oh, I've got a coach. That's what people like who've got a lot of money say. Oh, yeah, I get coached by X, Y, and Z or whatever. And it's just a bit of a, a show thing. So a lot of my clients, they just really enjoy training. Like they, they they wanted someone to push them hard in training. They wasn't so concerned with actually. Initially, they was they wanted to lose body fat, look better, and you know they tick that box. But then when I had clients for like six, seven years in PT, they just we built a really good relationship where they become some of my best friends now. And that's why they stayed with me because they enjoyed the training and I pushed them hard enough. And, you know, they enjoyed, we enjoyed our time together. So that was pretty much why. Yeah. It's that relationship. I find that with all my long term clients now where the, the expectations is I just want to be healthy, come into the gym, enjoy my life, uh-huh. um, lift some weights and then literally just be healthy. And you enjoy every session. You can have a laugh with them. And I really enjoy the sessions as well. And yeah, you just got to highlight that. Just asking the question, like, what do you want from this? Exactly, and that's what that's what they do want. The majority, because they always ask them, right? We're not really making too much progress in terms of like your actual like transformation, but health wise, lifting weights in the gym, it's going to stop sarcopenia. It's going to uh, stop arthritis, bone density. It's going to improve that as you get older. Mobility, yeah. All that sort of stuff. So you got less risk being in a fucking wheelchair and unmobile. So that's where you've got to be careful, though. Um, because if you kept at them like, right, we're not making any progress, right? You're getting nowhere, this and that, and they don't really want that, then they're gonna be like, fuck this, I'm just going going to PT and get around every week. Yeah, that's it. As long as you, as long as everyone knows where they're at, that's that's all you need to 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 define. Yeah. Going back to um you mentioned earlier about like um clients coming to you and talking about what other coaches done and things like that. And I get that a lot as well. Like um there's <laughs> sounds bad, but there's one guy in particular in the area that everyone seems to have something to say about and I oh, fucking hate. There's no smoke without fire, is there? <laughs> yeah, but like I, I, I fucking hate that though. It's like, especially when like, you're like, oh yeah, what's that? What's the name? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say nothing. Um, there's a facility in particular. Um, but anyway, um, like you know, I, I fucking hate that because if they're like, oh, I've been here and they were shit because they done this, and I went there and they were shit because they done that, and I went there, I was like, so I'm going to be the next shit guy then. That's that's the way it goes. Like it's it's not you- if you've been. If you've been to five coaches and you're not getting results. It's not the coaches that are all the problems, unless red you're very flag. unlucky. Client red flag. <laughs> yeah, client red flag. Yeah, like, it generally is like I also don't want to. Just, I also want to say there is a lot of poor coaches out there that offer poor service. They don't get results. They just have no client care at all. There's a lot of that, um, and you usually see a trend when people come to you like that. Like there's there's no way there's not 
there's nothing they're doing wrong if there's that many people coming saying that. You know, like when you've got five, six people, ten people coming saying this coach did this, blah, blah, blah. And there is some there is some terrible coaches out there. There's no doubt about that. Um you hear like people they check in and they don't get the checking back for about three or four days. And I'm like, how yeah, that's terrible, terrible. Like poor that's... quality feedback, lack of you know, shitty response time, not delivering on what they said they deliver on, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Just yeah, not really been big enough like your service. So like when I check in, I get it within like half an hour or an hour at the latest. Don't it? It's fucking crazy. Or if I just send you a message, it's always like pretty much ASAP, which is crazy. You know, compared to fucking other people you're about in the industry. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's service, though, isn't it? That for me, yeah. Like I know my boundaries in terms of how many clients I can take on. You know, I know my workload, where, where my capacity is for workload, and at the point at which the service starts to deteriorate, then. So I think as long as you've got, got that nailed down as a coach, like I, I always want to be re- responsive for people, you know, get back to them as soon as, because, you know, especially close to shows, like you need answers quick sometimes, you know, like this has happened, what do I do? So, you know, the, the scenarios where you might need closer contact. Definitely need that for bodybuilding, don't you? But um, this is more of a question for myself here, Josh, but like, were you, did you run PT and online at the same time or did you just kind of jump ship from one to the other? So it was a transitionary phase, like where I slowly started to pull my PT back as the online grew and I held out with a lot of my people. Well, I think it was like two or three clients. I held out for as long as I could with PT because I really enjoyed the sessions. I also got a shitload from them from like a, you know, if I had to pay them for like for, to mentor me, like it would have been a fucking fortune, like really successful, wealthy people. So the time we had together was very like, you know, they gave me a lot. I give them a lot. So I, I kind of wanted to hold that. And they've, and they've become, like I said, really good friends. So for me, it was hard to give that up. But I had to, to 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 grow the business and make sure again, like I said, my service was on point because it can't be in a PT session going like this replying to online clients. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That is, um, I'm not gonna lie, that's the exact problem I'm having right now. It's like I feel like I'm at the unsustainable point of I've got too much online and PT at the same time. It's like something needs to fucking go because like my response times, I won't lie, have been a, a little bit shittier recently, and they're not bad. I'm still never gonna be terrible, but. At, like at the end of the day it's like you know you're waiting four or five hours where maybe you wouldn't have had to if i wasn't doing four back-to-back pts from when you're doing like a, a day yeah literally four like back-to-back pts and someone messaged the first thing in the morning literally straight before that first session and then you waiting like about five fucking six hours to give them that, like the feedback from or the message back or whatever it is it's just uh it's hard to juggle it when you've got so many like i'm doing about 20 25 sessions and then i've got like over 30 online now as well so it's just like juggling that something has to you give think- that's like you know what what gives do i do i pull back the pt or do i not want as many online and that's the decision you've got to make then yeah you, you find james like you like i know i've got 25 on the dot reoccurring pts but you always end up with more because then you end up with like online clients coming in for one or like you know just random sessions that seem to pop up and you end up doing fucking more than you expect to do as well yeah and there's always something else in the day and it's always adding up it's just having like the structure of like getting back to messages at certain times. That's what I've done of like book slots in during the day. Yeah. You know, getting back to clients or three or four slots where I just sit down and work my way through the messages because they just constantly keep coming, as you guys know. I, I prefer that though, because like the more they communicate, the more, the easier it makes the check-ins. The check-ins can actually end up being three or four minutes as opposed to like a 15 minute video because we've actually talked about most of the shit. We've, we've been in constant contact. Whereas like the checking then just becomes a little review of like, how's actually everything going? What's, what's week's progress being like, rather than holy shit, like you ate out on Saturday night and overdone it and that. And we haven't talked since. That's coaching at the end of the day though. That's, that's what it should yeah. be. Yeah, absolutely. 
there's some um, some coaches like do like a t- every two week check and things like that. In fact, I've got clients that do that to be fair. But I think sometimes that can work really really well if you are on that like if you're communicating well or or if it's one of those clients that just fucking gets on with it and actually sticks to their plan. That makes that makes it very easy for that as well. There's definitely clients that need a little bit more attention, whether they're new to it or they're just a little bit more you know, not as uh, confident with things, then they're going to try and communicate more, which is exactly what they need to do. Um, but you'll get clients like, I, I suppose I'm probably that client for, for, for coaches that I wish just like, check in once a week, there you go, I've done that. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. There's nothing to talk about because I've done it all. So, You know who needs more support compared to others? Like, there's one of my clients I text every day, I was like, how's the progress going? And I, I just got a thumbs up. I was like, yeah, that's that's that. Yeah, that's what <laughs> He is, he is making good progress at the end of the day. He's heading in the right direction with every check and everything's going well. So, like, yeah, thumbs up. You get to you get to understand people, how they are, what type of person they are, um, the more you work with them. So, that, for me, like, it's the, the, the clients I've got the best relationship with obviously stay longer, but you also get so much better results from them. Like, you, you know, you they're so bought into you because they trust you. You've got proof to show that what you do works and what you say is is legit and the way you'd be guiding them is with, with their you know with their um with them in mind getting the you know the best out of things. Definitely. Um anyway, talking about clients, like more specifically your clients, how well they're doing at the moment. I mean you've got a, an IFBB pro who competed in the States like it was yeah. about a month or so ago. Like she's done really yeah, well. Oh now, yeah. Sam. Sam did a first pro show. We went out to the States, you know, jumped in at the deep end there. Um, jumped on stage with some Olympians. We got 12th place and the joint points of 11th place, so just outside the top 10 at a first pro show. You know, yeah. Sam's fucking hell, like her rise to where she is now has happened over three years. So she won her first time at show, won the British. Um she won PCA Pro card, then she won an FM Pro card, then she won her IPB Pro card, and then the following years competing as IFBB Pro, like, it's ridiculous. And the, this, when I mentioned before about people being made to do this, that's one of the people. That's, so when they say, like, I want to be a pro, like, you've got everything you need to be a pro, so let's, let's push it, let's go. Um, so, yeah, Sam's, I'm out I'm out in Spain next week for Sam's next pro show, our last one of the season. I've got uh, Mia, the wellness competitor, competing over there as well, who, you know, we're after a pro card as well with her. And I've got Brooke as well, who's, who's made some serious progress since last time she was on stage. She looks class as well. So that'll be her first international pro qualifier. Nice. I like what you said there, though. Like you said, this girl's got it all. She's got the genetics to do it, to turn pro. But it still took three years. Like, and a lot of people want results in 12 weeks. She, yeah, she literally, though, went from a first-timer to a pro in three years. Like, not many, no yeah. one does that. And that is, that is fast, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. Like, Nobody, like, people take 10, 12 years to become a pro. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but like again, going back to like gen pop clients, they want results in twelve weeks. It's like this is how fucking long it takes to, you know, get those world class results. It's not like when you see that on Instagram and you see these people that are like bodybuilders or like figure competitors and things like that. It's like that's not just a twelve week process. That's not just stick to this for three months and go back to what you're doing. That's a fucking total lifestyle change and that's dedication for years. So when they see that and they want a similar kind of result, but they want it in twelve weeks, it's like well, you, again, it's going back to expectations, isn't it? Yeah, like, oh, sorry. Um, I was on holiday when uh when I went to Mexico and some guy came up to me around the pool and he was like, "Fucking hell, uh, how long did it take you to get like that?" I was like, "Well, I've been training for just over like ten years." I went, "Fucking hell, that's a lot of effort, isn't it?" I was like, "Well, you can't just fucking lift weights for fucking a couple of weeks and end up looking like this." It's a yeah, lot of fucking uh, effort. You know, would, would you build a bit a, a multi-million pound business in fucking a year? You most people know they wouldn't. 
takes years, tens of years. Most people wouldn't, but you get the odd person that maybe would. And then that's who most people concentrate on. It's like, well, he done it in a year, so why can't I? And that's the, everyone is so different. Absolutely. It'd be great um, if it did take as little time as that. Yeah. Um, we try to make a, a multi-thousand pound one here and we're still fucking struggling. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, but yeah, you've you got another good few athletes like Lee, who I competed with at the weekend. Fucking yeah. hell. Three times in a row, isn't he? Yeah, three three shows, three wins and an overall and just missed out on the overall. The other one as well, um, you know, yeah, I was really happy for him because he'd just been getting in second places, second places. So this was our first season together after a short off season. Come back and he cleaned up, he looked phenomenal. Um, you know, he was happy because it was the smoothest prep he's ever done and, you know, the results spoke for themselves. So I buzz off that, you know, because he was so happy with that and it's, you know, he had his heart set on doing that and winning those shows and, you know, when you see someone achieve that and you've you've been a part of it, like that's that's so rewarding. Yeah, he's a proper nice guy as well. I've got to know him backstage. Oh. I literally message him every day now as well. So he's just um, he's, he's when you go to these shows and you get chatting to other clients who that your coach is working with, it's cool to like get those relationships and make yeah. friends. And... Definitely, because you you've got the same interests at you know at heart anyway. Like you, very similar. To, I I notice a lot of my clients can be very similar in terms of the temperament and stuff. I don't know if that's because like you attract kind of what you put out. Um, but like I can't be doing people with big egos and arrogance, so I don't have any of them on the team, and they tend to not come to me anyway because, you know, I probably don't put that we out. Know, uh, we know who. Well, I'm not going to say any names, but we know what kind of coaches or a coach in the industry who's like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a bad, of- and it's bad when we all know exactly who you mean. Yeah. Oh. Hopefully, I'm thinking of the same person as you. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss it when we finish the call because I'm not saying it. <laughs> not, not I, I, I'm not, I don't know who you're talking about. To be fair, mate, like I don't really focus on what, what other people do for the most part. The um, it's the flashy coaches. Look at my fucking car. This that. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I think you're the most opposite like person or coach away from that. Yeah, it just means I. I don't. Know. I don't care if someone's got a fucking Ferrari. Not a nice one. Men, I, like, I'm happy for you, but what has it changed my life? So I, I, why would anybody want to see what, what I've got? I mean, I don't, I'm don't. i not a flash person anyway, but you know, I just don't I don't see how it's relevant to anything. Like, I'm One a, thing that doesn't interest me at all is like a fucking Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a fucking supercar. Like, I mean, I can't afford one anyway, but I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't want one if I could. Like, it just doesn't fucking interest me. Yeah, that. like everyone has the things that they enjoy. Some people love flashy cars, and that's sweet. Like, yeah, yeah. Them, like they're grafting for it and they're doing a good job, and they can get one mint. Love it, but yeah, I'm not. I'm a quite a simple person. I'm simple things make me happy. That's Something I wanted to ask you earlier, Josh. It's like obviously in terms of like clients, you've got a, a, quite a lot of clients, don't you, within the business? Yeah. Um, so. I've got a board in front of me with every single client's name on and like whenever, sometimes I'll just sit down here and I'm like, right, okay, I've not checked in with so-and-so for a while. And that's when I'll communicate with them. I'll reach out to them and like maybe just see how things are going, send those texts. How do you keep on top of all that? Like, have you got like a board with everyone's name on it? I mean, what do you do for that? Pretty much the same thing. So like I'll have, um, I'll have a look through either my messages or my, my client list on my site and I'll have a scan through and I'll be like, I'll make a note if someone's not checked in for you know maybe a week or I've not heard from them for a for a week or so. So I'll I've always follow that up. But yeah, that this is the thing that why you can't take too many clients on because you know you'll let people slip through. Whereas a message could have changed everything. They don't check in that week because they've had a bad week for whatever reason. You just got to care. So the fact that you reach out and show them that you care because you genuinely do, then it it goes a long way. 
Yeah, I think uh, I didn't check in with you for like half an hour, like the other day. And yeah, I'm on it. I'm like, where are you checking? Everything all right? Yeah, <laughs> so I'm just what? at work. <laughs> but yeah, like I want, I'm, I'm, I like to be on it with things like that. Yeah, especially with you being so close to shows as well, James. I suppose you'll you'll know as well, Josh. And again, that must take some managing because you're like, right, where's James at? He's peaking for a show this weekend, and then you've got so and so who's maybe peaking for a show one on Saturday, one on Sunday, or well, more than one. You fucking multiple on these days, and it's like that must take a lot of like brain power because like for me i know like i don't coach any competitors so at the weekend like i can kind of switch off from it i'm kind of keep on top of them throughout the week sometimes i will like just like shotgun be like right saturday what are you fucking doing what's yeah. happening sort of thing and there's a couple of clients in particular that struggle with the weekends that i'll be kind of in constant communication with at the weekend but like you know generally speaking i can switch off at the weekend but for you it must be like right show season you know every saturday sunday almost for a good while it's like, like every, every, every weekend the show's on yeah every weekend so it's obviously like time with nick and mason suffers at this point in uh, you know in the season you know which is just my job like it is what it is but then obviously i get that time back in the off season where things are a lot more chilled and people are not on stage you know at all um so it's just a very seasonal thing when you're coaching competitors where like the workload it massively increases so again like you know, my, my difference in co- uh, clients from the off season to the, to prep doesn't change because if I've got to be able to manage them when it comes to prep season, so I can't drive up my numbers in the off season because I'm not doing as much because when prep season comes around, I'm fucked. So I have to keep on top of the numbers. And that's why one of the reasons why I took some more coaches on because, you know, I, I didn't want to turn people away that were, you know, going to be great clients and they potentially might go to another coach and not get the the, the right service. So I was looked after as well. So it was nice to know I could send them to coaches. Cause I was sent, I was referring, I said, no, go and speak to this person. They're a really good coach, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, well, I've got two really good people that I coach that you would do such a good job as a coach. It was nice to be able to send them to them and put them in good hands. And, and I know they're going to get good service, good results, and they're going to get everything they get with me. That's, that's pretty cool that you coach them as well because I think that's the way to do it if you are going to take people on <coughs> people that you've coached. Yeah, I mean, when I, again, like I when I coached, um, when I PT'd a lot of clients, like some of them had like investment companies and things like that. And they was like, you should scale this business. Like I, I'll, I'll throw, you know, I'll throw money in myself. I've got contacts at, you know, um, private equity and stuff like that where, the, you know, they'll, they'll buy the company after we've scaled it. And I'm like, just not interested in having like 10 shit coaches bashing out fucking 100 clients with shit quality work. I'm like, it doesn't interest me in the slightest. Like, I was only taking coaches on because I was confident in the people that I could take on. They were going to be good because it's still my brand at the end of the day. I've, I'm like, I take pride in that. So I don't want to just, you know, employ someone for 20K a year and just overload them with work and, you know, have a massive turnover of coaches, you know, just to, to make some extra money. Yeah. That's, that's that's a nice kind of way to put it as well. It says a lot about you, obviously, like that 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 you would turn down something like that in order to kind of keep it organic almost. That's probably the yeah, word. Exactly using. that. Exactly that. Yeah, I wanted to keep it very organic and make sure it was still representative of me as a coach. I'm going to have to shoot off, boys, because I have a call in four minutes, so I'm going to go get prepped for that. But thanks again for coming on, Josh. That was a good chat. Yeah, it's a good way to wrap it up there, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe I'll stay to the end then. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll stay on and like have a chat afterwards, but um, yeah, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys.